0: Welcome to Men's
1: Apparel Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're talking about the brand story and marketing strategy of my favorite apparel brand. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that tells the story of how the little brand that could is telling the story to make men's life better while selling lots of activewear. With us today is Adam Sidney, who is the CEO of Miles Apparel. Miles is an athletic brand with a passion for inspiring more active, stylish, and healthier lives for men. Their mission is to deliver a fresh perspective on fitness that is driven by smart design and inspiring active men. Here's the third installment of Men's Apparel Week, where Adam and I discuss mastering and scaling e-commerce PPC growth channels. Here's more of my conversation with Adam Sidney, CEO of Miles Apparel. Adam, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. We're halfway through the week, excited to talk a little bit about where the rubber meets the road when it comes to e-commerce and retail. Today, we're going to turn our attention less on the brand and product marketing, which we talked about in the first two episodes this week, and more on some of the growth channels that you're using to gain interest and drive sales. My understanding is 100% of e-commerce happens on Instagram. Can you confirm or deny?
2: (laughs) It's not quite 100, but they're still commanding a lot of the spend and the budget for a lot of brands.
1: Facebook is obviously a dominant player in PPC marketing and mostly for brands that are driven visually. Talk to me about how you think of the difference between Facebook, Instagram, Google, some of the predominant performance marketing channels, and what are you doing to master those?
2: I think if I knew all those answers, I wouldn't necessarily share them here, but I can tell you how we're thinking about it <laughs> for sure.
1: Well, don't tell us the specific audiences that you're targeting, but you
2: know, give <laughs> us a little something. Right. You know, Miles started back in 2014, and we really got to ride the coattails of Taylor Stitch and Huck Berry for those first couple of years. I don't think we really even started to do any performance marketing until around 2017, and then ramped that up significantly in 2018. And it's become a bigger part of our existence here as we sort of left the nest. And I think It's hard to find a marketing channel that's as good in terms of being able to tell if it's working as Instagram and Facebook and Google. So I think that's why those things continue to do very well. I think Instagram, because of the nature of the experience, it's very visual. It's just a must-have for brands. And I don't think that's very controversial to say. We see it as the key way that we express our visual identity and a lot of our written identity to the world.
1: So talk to me about how you think about your visual identity. Are you focusing primarily on product marketing? Are you just showing the shorts? Are you showing, you know, imagery, showing action shots? How do you figure out what's the right image or how are you sourcing and building that identity?
2: We think a lot about the mix of trying to be more lifestyle focused versus more product focused. It's tough to get to this point, but I tend to think of it as like the Beatles song, the more love you give, the more you get. I would like for our brand to become way more giving out free information, advice, ways to exercise, just be more focused on giving customers information and content that they would like to consume. And then in turn, they trust us more and buy more of our products. It takes a while to get to that ideal mix. I think in the past, we've been a little bit focused more just on selling the features and benefits of the product.
1: That's kind of the Huckberry model where you're essentially a digital magazine that also sells products, or at least that's how they're positioned. That's why they've been able to grow such a large email list. Is people are there for the content at first and then stick around for the product.
2: Correct. And I think it's an expensive and difficult proposition to create a lot of that content yourself. There's a balance around curating and creating. And Huckberry, I think in Miles, there was a network effect when we were still physically in the same space. We shared a lot of ideas. I do like that model. And I liked Huckberry's idea of sort of being the best email in your inbox every week. It's not possible for us with our resources. But as we build the brand over time, I would love to go that direction. And just having that conversation around health and wellness and sharing a sense of community with people rather than just saying, you know, these are awesome shorts. We got to do a mix of both. Thinking about specifically Instagram, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to categorize the different images and you know, this one's a feature, just a clear product focus, right? It might be a close-up of a drawstring or something. And then there's another category that's more, you can't even see the product, you can tell that somebody might be running in the distance, but it's obviously like a sweeping landscape. And we think about the relative benefit of each of those types of images and what they do for us. I think being a Northern California, sort of Bay Area brand, we have this awesome landscape, this awesome backdrop just available to us at all times. So we try to take advantage of that. And then we also do try to show parts of the product that maybe people don't understand or didn't know about before. We try to show fit. We try to show color. And we just try to do all those things, but stay consistent. I think another big aspect of our content in the past has just been sort of accessibility. Like we keep mentioning the shirtless weightlifter. We probably are going to have some shirtless weightlifter on our Instagram at some point, but a lot of the guys we feature are either us. It's our marketing guy, Ben, out running around, or it's a model who we hired who just loves the brand and will do it for a couple pairs of shorts. It hasn't been a sort of over-fashioned, inaccessible looking brand, but I think it's still attractive and makes people feel like, hey, I can relate to that. I've heard a few stories of guys who are like, look, this is the first activewear brand Instagram that didn't make me feel awful about my own like exercise patterns. It's important to strike the right balance between that sentiment. And then also we have a lot of customers who are like, I get up every morning at four and lift weights. So
1: when you're thinking about the imagery, obviously there's finding the right tone. And we talked a little bit about this in the previous episodes of realizing who your customer is, sort of the everyman that's 25 to 50 How do you think about the different formats of media? If you're going to be on Instagram, there's, you mentioned, difference between landscape shots and product shots. There's also the idea of video or still images, a lot of interactive features. How do you think about testing and have you seen success with any specific format of media?
2: We think about it a lot. It's something that we are investing more time and energy in. We love paid Instagram, but obviously it only gets more expensive and it's just essentially rent for e-commerce companies now. So if you're going to get lower rent, you should try. And I think one way to do that is just focus on things that are quote unquote free. Your organic social is relatively free compared to ads, right? Sending email is relatively free. So as we think about organic social, we've done things like analyze which images and caption combinations have done the best. We may find a correlation there between things as random seeming at first, but actually do matter things as random seeming as like a warm color versus a cool color. One of those does better for us, strangely. It's not something we really knew about until we started to analyze it.
1: So tell me what you mean by the image color. Are you talking about you have to show a specific product color or what do you mean?
2: I mean, more like the tone of the overall photo. When we started to analyze this, and this is one of several things we started to analyze just to know what is going to be more impactful. Just in this case, we found that a cooler color more in the blues and greens and grays has done better for us than a warm color sunset with orange, red, yellow, and just consistently across the board where we can control for like caption or something like that, and then the subject matter of the image, the cooler color just for whatever reason does better, gets more attention so that's just one of many examples where we're starting to look at what we post and when and why and how it does relatively so we can mix in more of the winners over time. I think it's important to have a variety, of course, but they're just interesting nuggets to uncover there when you dig in with our social We've got, at this point, I think like 16.4 thousand followers. That's up from 15 when I started. So we've done a few other things recently, just with organic social, focusing on what we can do to just make the performance better through simple behavioral changes without having to spend a lot more money. And I was frankly, personally surprised about how many things you can do that are really just simple to get the posts to show up for more people and to get placement. It's a little bit like gaming, the old Google search results. Those things do make a difference right now.
1: So as you think about the growth channels, obviously performance marketing is very important in retail, in e-commerce. A lot of it is driven through the Facebook platforms, Facebook and Instagram. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. How do you prioritize the performance marketing efforts as opposed to some of your other growth channels? And are there other paid growth channels that you think are effective or worth investing in?
2: I think that right now, we go back and forth between looking around at what the whole universe has to offer in terms of performance versus, you know, somebody I really respect gave me advice that was just nail the product, nail the story, nail Instagram ads, and that's it. That's all you should be focusing on. Everything else will follow. But the first thing you need to do is those three things like make sure the product is there, make sure you have the actual story down pat, and then just get Instagram ads to work. I blend that philosophy with, well, you know, we should be trying these other new things. We should look at catalog. We should consider opening a store at some point. I think that there's a temptation to want to find an answer to or a counter to sort of the hegemony of uh, Instagram and Facebook and Google at this point. But those things work for a reason. And if they work, it generally means that you've got good product market fit, you've got good product marketing, and it's working because all those other things you've done well on. Meanwhile, I think that we do have an opportunity to do some direct mail, if not a full catalog, sooner than later. To do those things well, it can get awfully expensive. We experienced that at Trimaker. We spent a lot of money to make an absolutely beautiful catalog. It was a great art piece. It just wasn't great performance marketing. So I think sometimes we also have to keep discipline around what we do because it's going to work versus what we do because we like the way it looks, or it's just kind of feels brand enhancing, but it's really hard to measure. So these marketing channels are so popular because they are easy to measure, even though they're complex and the different channels kind of tell different stories about their own performance, of course, but taken as a whole, you can get a pretty good sense for how your marketing is doing.
1: I think at the end of the day, when you're thinking about e-commerce brands and more direct to consumer brands, As you mentioned, Instagram and Facebook are absolutely table stakes. And then at some point, you get to the point of diminishing returns. And the ceiling is very high on these platforms, but eventually you run out of lookalike audiences and you hit maturity of a channel. It happens for all brands. And that's where the early investment in developing organic growth channels really pays dividends is that you have to put a dollar in to get $10 out in a year from now with your organic growth channels, as opposed to putting a dollar in and getting a dollar and 10 cents out right now. And the last question for today is, as you think about what you're investing for now, as opposed to building the overall health of the brand, how do you evaluate your PPC versus your organic investments?
2: Yeah, well, we're a quite small team right now. And I'm not sure when this is going to air, but it's kind of in the middle of coronavirus panic. So (laughs) we are looking to build the team, but I may have to delay some of those hires.
1: They might be remote employees for a while.
2: They might be remote. Everybody's remote right now. But for instance, our GM, who's been running the business for a long time, he's essentially our graphic designer. He knows graphic design because he used to be a newspaper reporter. So he has some experience laying out. So he's not like graphic designer by trade, but he makes do with these templates that we've built over time and it works really well. I would love for him to write more content, curate more content, and sort of be the guy who is reaching out to the customer at all times and kind of creating these content stories. And I don't expect those things to have an immediate impact on the day-to-day sales of things necessarily, right? But it's absolutely important for us to do that over time to build the brand and to become the type of brand we want to be and to build the trust level and the level of engagement that you want for retention over time. But it's just like not in the cards necessarily. So it's constantly for me as the CEO, a dance of immediate gratification for sales versus laying the groundwork. And there are other examples like affiliate marketing or SEO or all those things like getting clickbacks and developing relationships with the affiliates. You know, sometimes those things have six to 12 month timeframes before they start to return. And sometimes they have high barriers to entry in terms of the cost. I think that PR agency is another one that we just haven't done because there's just other important things to focus on, but they could have huge impacts later. I think that in these times where we're kind of like in a near focused period where we're just kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen over the next quarter, right? It's not the time for me to launch into big six-month projects necessarily. I think about that constantly. What is the right thing for me to be doing as the CEO and not just in marketing? should I be focusing on just making sure we hit our sales goals for March versus is now a good time to do something a little bit contrarian and prepare for a longer term payout. But yeah, it's something I think about all the time. And I don't have the exact answer, but I constantly talk about it with my agency and other people and just compile all of our intuition and advice and opinions and tend to make so far pretty good decisions, I think. But it's an ongoing process.
1: The devil's in the details when it comes down to making that decision of near-term versus short-term, and a lot of that has to do with how you're evaluating your business. We're going to dive into that a little bit more in our next episode when we talk about CAC versus LTV in e-commerce. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Adam Sydney for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of Adam than Miles' story, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about CAC versus LTV, the real retail e-commerce analytics. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Adam, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Sydney. that's A-S-I-D-N-E-Y, or you can visit his company's website, which is M y l e s a p p a r e l M-Y-L-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com.